Hi, and welcome to the ASA podcast, the program for automotive professionals that keeps you ahead of what's now, what's new, and what's next in the business of automotive service and collision repair. I'm your host, Tony Mala, and we'll be sharing information, insight, and inspiration that will not just help you make a living, it'll help you make a difference. This podcast is sponsored by MailShark, the auto repair direct mail marketing experts. Whether your goal is to increase car count or customer retention, MailShark has an affordable solution for your shop. For more information, call 484-928-7790 or visit themailshark.com slash ASA today. Hi, we're talking today with Bob Wills, the outgoing chairman of the Automotive Service Association and the owner of Wills Auto Service in Battle Creek, Michigan. Bob has recently stepped down as chairman of ASA, and we thought it would be a great idea to have him on the show and talk a little bit about his life and career, which has been very interesting in the industry. Bob, thanks for joining us today. Well, Tony, thanks for having me. Uh, I've always enjoyed talking with you, and regardless of whether you're with ASC or ASA, yeah, I'll be struggling with those two for the rest of my career. So, but let's dive right into it. And, you know, this is going to be about you. I know that lots is going on and we'll get to some stuff later, but you have pretty much seen it all in the industry. I mean, you've been in it long, as long as I have. And I was curious as to how you first got started. How did, what got you into all this? Well, my father owned a shop, it was a one-man shop that did nothing but carburetors and tune-ups, mm. which obviously is almost unheard of today. So it keyed my interest. And then further down development uh, in junior high, I had a bus driver that actually was running a marathon gas station. So that was my next step, washing cars at the gas station, washing school buses. So that, as an entrepreneur, that's where I moved forward. I hired somebody to help me do the school buses. From there, it was onward and upward. During high school, I worked at that gas station. You know, I never worked for my dad because of the being a, a one-man show. Mm -hmm. But, you know, learned so much from him as, a, as he was a perfectionist to the extreme. Unfortunately, I did get some of those traits. But hopefully, I've been tolerable. Working through high school, and then I went into the military. Uh, and I'll back up a quick second. Just previous to the military, I also had experience for almost three years in a police department. So uh, that gave me another background that I'm, I'm rooted into. Got out of the military. The uh, owner of that Marathon gas station says, how would you like to be a partner? And that was in 1974. And so needless to say, then I was now enrooted in ownership in a business, which uh, six years later, we split the business. Uh, he went into the automotive parts industry, and I stayed in the automotive repair. Had a couple location changes in between. The one I'm currently in, I moved in here in 1989 and until I totally move out, uh, I'm still here. What branch of the service were you in? I was in the army and, and I was fortunate, you know, for number one, I stand behind the military. I stand behind the vets. I stand behind active military. I was fortunate in Vietnam because obviously I figured I was going to Vietnam mm -hmm. and I didn't. I missed it by two weeks. Mm. So I got the wonderful job of going to Germany and living out. It was like upper Michigan is what it looked like. And uh, that worked very well for me. Well, we thank you for your service. Thank you. 
Well, that's great. And I know, again, your shop is in Battle Creek, Michigan. You have been a member of the Automotive Service Association probably for longer than most. I think it's been over 30 years when you and I were talking earlier, right? Yeah, I, but to my recollection, and I have to go back to what vehicles was I working on at the time, it was for the state police and they were driving 1982 Dodge Diplomats. Ah, That's when I remember getting noticed from ASA, a contact uh, from Ron Meyer from ASA and where they were doing a convention in Detroit. Mm -hmm. I went in there, got involved. I liked the uh, insurance program that we had for Workman's Comp, uh, totally a benefit. And, you know, from there, it just developed on and on of what can ASA do for me? And it can. So, and it did. Well, talking about that, what do you think ASA's biggest value has been to you in the business over the years? I mean, just off the top of your head, I know you've been involved. I won't talk about that, but you personally, what do you see that you got the most out of? Well, it's kind of like when I look at this, it's about relationships Mm -hmm. that works with it. You learn from other people's businesses. People over the years have called me. I mean, it was very interesting to say, Bob, what do you do about advertising? And I'm thinking, man, this guy should know. But through ASA's training, and and a lot of that was when we did the cars event. Uh Training face-to-face was very strong back then, very inexpensive. So that continued to be that stepping stone, you know. Then you get involved in our legislative branch that we have. Mm -hmm. And then you learn learn about that. You know, it's, it's not just you walk in and plaster somebody with a card and say, hey, look what we do. You almost have to explain what we do. And it's, that's a difficult thing, you know, as we move, move forward to, for membership is getting my conversation to other shop owners to say, wait a minute, he did it. There must be something behind it. Yeah. And ASA is what was behind it. Well, I know you've been involved with ASA, like I said, for over 30 years, and you've been more involved, I think, than a lot uh, in your volunteer side of the equation. I know you, gosh, I think you probably held every position there is on the ASA board. When did you first get involved? volunteering with ASA? Well, on from the Michigan level, I did, I think it was like 17 years on that board. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have my local involvement. Then one day I get a call from Bill Haas, one of the industry trainers, mm-hmm. excellent person, said, Bob, would you be interested in the mechanical ops committee? And he told me a little bit about it. And I says, well, yeah, I'd be interested. So I jumped on board with the Mechanical Ops Committee. Mm-hmm. It was renewable every year, you know, by the, board, by the way the bylaws are set. Mm-hmm. I did spend six years there and then moved up into general director for ASA and moved after that to mechanical division director, then the secretary's treasurer slot, and then to chairman-elect chairman. And so I've made the run of it and continue to learn all the way through it. You were chairman during the COVID crisis in in 2020. I know you just stepped down. What was that like for the organization from your perspective on the board? Well, it definitely became an extreme challenge because we've heard the word over and over again, lockdown. Mm -hmm. We went into a lockdown situation. The first impact was inactivity. And then virtual training started popping up. We did some of that virtual training. You got to maintain a contact. Our legislative branch stepped right into this. You know, when we looked at the PPP program, there was two different ones, continuous information coming out of Washington about this stuff. Mm -hmm. And we were on top of it. Consequently, yes, I received one of the packages. I didn't 
qualify for the second one because my business is smaller. And so I didn't get as much impact. And, and so let me make a comment on that one, the impact on business. Yes, when it first came out and when it was hot and heavy, it basically, let's call it March. COVID was here previous to that. There's no doubt in my mind. But when notification really popped out, there was three months when we take that one PPP program that, yes, my business was down 25%, but I didn't close the doors. I didn't cut the hours. I didn't cut the employees. Unfortunately, other shops you know, across the country, some of them went out of business. Some of them have survived it. And my comment I will make to that one is, if you'd have had the education that I had gotten through ASA, you might have never closed your doors. I honestly believe that. Hmm. Consequently, we worked through that. Business after that just escalated. You know, it's kind of like the when that first package of money came out, I saw customers I'd never seen before. Different clientele, but they had money and gee, they were fixing a car that was sitting in their yard. Mm -hmm. So there was truly a positive effect of that other than people out buying televisions. You're talking about the stimulus money that went to the individuals. We'll call it the family check. Those were tough times. I mean, we seem to be coming through it now, which is great. I know for the most part, we never really missed a beat. We were doing a lot of stuff virtually anyway before the, the pandemic hit. So things like our meetings and all continued, but, but our focus shifted, I think, quite a bit. And we were spending more time getting the information that our members needed to survive this thing, to get through it. But you had mentioned the, you know, the work at, in Washington. I think that's important to talk about a little bit because that's something unique uh, that ASA brings to the table. I don't think there's any other association, certainly no other national association that has that level of representation in Washington, D.C. for the independent repair shops. And you've been pretty deeply involved on the political side of the equation, too, all throughout your involvement with ASA. I know you've been to about, gosh, 100 fly-ins, I think. What do you think about the importance of, of having that DC office? You've had a lot of experience, you know, exactly what it provides. What sort of things do you think that you've done as part of your involvement with ASA in Washington, DC that you think are important for the industry? ASA has a Washington, DC representative, and that's the way I look at him. I would never label him as a lobbyist. He's an individual that knows and understands our industry. When he has conversations with people, it's about our industry. What a lot of people don't understand is if we don't have those conversations, it's going to be like putting new pavement down and we will be run over. I've always looked at Bob Redding as the guy that looks for the smoke so there'll never be a fire. Because that's one thing we do not want in our industry is the fire. He keeps his finger on it and he keeps his foot on it and gets information to us, you know, to the board. We get it obviously to the affiliates. That's been years, you know, of different conversations. And consequently, he helps our industry. And I believe in it. I, I honestly believe in it. You know, if you want to turn around and say, what's my value of ASA? I can tell you I have somebody that's looking out for me in my industry. And yes, is there a cost to it? There's a cost to everything we do in business. Mm -hmm. You need to step up. Well, Bob's done a lot, I know. And, and the fly-ins that we talked about, He's actually set up meetings between ASA members like yourself and the actual legislators in Washington, D.C. You've been to a few of those meetings, right? Yes. That's another learning experience. Periodically, you would actually get to a legislator. Otherwise, you get to their aides. But we have our venue of what we want to talk about. We talk about it and make them understand 
where we're at. This is us. Don't read something. Here we are. We're in front of your face. And face-to-face does work. It is a positive, and it is bipartisan. We want to keep using that word because, yes, you know, I don't care what side of the street you want to be on. That person is there. They have a job to do, and they're there to listen, and they do listen. Is everybody going to do everything we want them to do? No, that's just the way it turns. But, you know, we've had meetings with NHTSA mm-hmm. when we're looking, continually looking at vehicle inspections. Mm-hmm. The necessity of it, it seems that, you know, they need to understand. And it's, I'll tell you what, it's amazing when you talk to some people and they have no clue what we're talking about. We're moving into these newer designed vehicles that are want to do without you behind the steering wheel. Well, who's going to maintain them? What maintenance is going to be required? Are they going to get inspected? So we continue to beat that drum on vehicle inspections because it's safety. And that's what we are about is safety. And we're not going to quit beating that drum. That will continue forward. We'll return to our interview after this word from our sponsor. MailShark is your auto repair direct mail marketing solution. Their weekly direct mail strategy puts you in the driver's seat giving your shop the flexibility to spread out your direct mail marketing and its cost over a weekly schedule that you choose. With MailShark, you'll never mail and pay all at once again. This weekly strategy, combined with MailShark's expert knowledge of direct mail, proven auto repair direct mail best practices, and lineup of both paper and plastic products truly sets up your shop for success. For more information, just call 484-928-7790 or visit themailshark.com slash ASA today for a free market analysis and free samples. And now back to our show. You make a great point about PMBI, the preventive maintenance and vehicle inspections has been something that's been on the decline. And if not for ASA, a lot of those programs, even what's left might be gone now. You had touched on autonomous vehicles that where we're headed. And you're right. How do we know that these systems are working as advertised if we don't have some sort of periodic inspection program? And we can see every day what happens if you neglect things. I mean, look at some of our infrastructure problems. The same is true for the vehicles that we drive on the road. And again, I think having Bob there in position to to make sure that we have that communications channel to those who are making these types of legislative decisions so they are informed about what our industry does. You know, our industry, more than anyone else, we were declared essential for a reason. We keep America moving. Individuals like yourself are critical to what our public transportation system is, which basically is the personal vehicle at this point in time in a lot of areas of the country. Right. But you've also had the opportunity, I know, to interact with individuals at the highest levels. I think most people don't realize how important it is to have those types of connections. You've met Mike Pence, in fact, haven't you? Weren't you in a meeting with him? Yes. Bob and I attended that meeting. Mike Pence, vice president, stopped into the meeting. You know, he didn't run the meeting. He just stopped to put his face in. Just a normal, everyday person. Uh And, you know, in the group of people that were in that meeting, you know, we had people from auto manufacturers. We had people from parts manufacturers, Mm -hmm. automotive sales, uh, ASA, myself there, and Bob representing collision and mechanical. They're talking about the reform and, and really... The administration wanted to reduce the tax on us. I had Mike Pence next to me when the White House took the picture, and I have that in my front office at work. And we all sat at a table and had a discussion and came out of it. Yeah. That's my biggest hoorah right there. Well, I think that's a hallmark of what we're talking about in the value of an association relationship is that 
you do find yourself in situations and in meetings that you otherwise wouldn't be attending. And I think as Bob Redding, our Washington reps often says, you know, if you're not at the table, you're probably on the menu. And it's important that there's someone out there looking out for the interests of the independent repair professionals that, that ASA represents. But I got to tell you, you've done a marvelous job over the years. You and I have been friends for a long time, I know. And I was sorry to hear that you've decided to retire after all these years. You certainly earned it. But what do you got planned for that? I mean, do you have any hobbies? What are you going to do? <laughs> well, I asked my dad because I haven't totally closed the business out yet. That is on this year's slate. Uh-huh. It will happen. But I've always been into having one or two show cars. You know, I do have a 69 Hemi Roadrunner that is unrestored, but it's not cherry. You know, it's not like out of the showroom. It's real life stuff here. Uh-huh. Then I have, I do have a police car that I restored, a Michigan State police car that is very rare because we're known for blue cars and this one is not blue. Uh, so there's a history behind these cars only in certain locations. And when I saw this car and did research rather quickly there, I knew where it had come from, you know, in its service life, because I've worked on those cars now for 44 years. Wow. So it wasn't difficult to get anything and everything I needed to put this back 100% as it was when it was on the road. So I, I show that around the state and uh, normally with other state police vehicles, I try to do that because the, the, the public needs to understand law enforcement. And it's amazing. And I'm glad I'm in the automotive industry because guess what? If it's a parked police car, they love it. Yeah. When it's behind you with a light on, that's not the one you want to see. Yeah, not so much, right? I was just fortunate, you know, just to brag a little. There was a 715 car show this last weekend. And I was one of the top 25 picks for that show. People looked at it. We talked about it. And with my background in police and working with with police, I can explain different things about what they do. Yeah. What year is that police car? That is a 1968 Fury 1. Wow. And yes, it has the big 440. Everybody says, what does it got in it? What does it got in it? Well, it's a 440 and it, it runs extremely well. Yeah. To say the least. Well, it sounds like you got enough to keep you busy, but are you going to stay involved with ASA after the fact? I know you're, you're talking about stepping back from your business, but you made a lot of friends over the years, I assume. Yes, because I know we are looking at beginning a new cars program. Yep. And I think that's a big step forward as we look at this new cars event to have discussions on the past, the present, and the future. Yeah. You've certainly done your bit for king and country, that's for sure. With the time that you spent talking and helping other shop owners over the years, and, and again, of course, your service to ASA and to our nation is going to greatly appreciate it. Any words of wisdom you'd like to share with anyone who's thinking about you know, getting into an automotive career? Now, as you're in a position to look back over all the years, I know it's been great for me and my family. What do you say to someone who's saying, you know, I think I might want to do this about you know, taking the time to become an automotive technician or get involved in, in an automotive career? Well, as in anything, first off, you have to decide that you want to dedicate yourself. Mm -hmm. Then, moreover than anything, and that has never stopped with me, is education. Mm. You know, you could turn around and tell a shop, you need to be have, have someone ASE certified. Mm -hmm. Well, what about mm -hmm. some two and some three? Mm -hmm. Education is available. So that is obviously a path that ASA is on. Mm -hmm. We're known for education. God, I, I just can't say enough. Mm-hmm. When my employees go to a class, I go to a class. We're in it all together. Yeah. But that's a dedication. You got to do it. There is reward, but you got to do it. 
as you say, you know, if you're involved in any kind of technical pursuit these days, uh, you are certainly committing to a lifetime of learning because things are changing so quickly. But I think the challenge is also the opportunity. You know, we are looking at vehicles that are so advanced that you really have to be much more highly trained than you ever were before to get into this sort of business and, and to stay successful in it. And the business management side of the equation is just as important as the technical. Obviously, you've benefited from your involvement with ASA in that regard. And I think you were also part of the group that founded the Automotive Management Institute. You were part of the association when that was happening. And, and that's become a very important tool for that business side of the equation that we talk about so often that individuals need to know. So there's lots of reasons that new folks ought to take a look at ASA as being an important tool in their toolbox, as they say. But it's individuals like yourself, I think, that make up the heart and soul of the, of the association. And if for no other reason, it's worth joining ASA just to have a conversation with someone like Bob Wills from time to time, because you have definitely seen it all. I've seen a lot. And uh, like I say, the relationships across this country that I have, I can pick up a phone. You know, I don't know it all, but I need to know it all. I don't work on diesels, but I need to know something about them. You have certainly, again, been one of the individuals who has made a difference in the association, in the industry, and I think to a lot of other folks like myself. Just from the relationship, there has been a tremendous amount of value. And while you will be missed, I'm sure, we wish you all the best for whatever's next, but I know you won't be far away, and that's why we have cell phones. So don't get too comfortable in that fury, uh, because from time to time, we're probably going to want to talk to you again. So, And bottom line to that, Tony... I am always available for ASA, yeah, anything I can do. And through our continued conversation amongst each other, it's to get the best resolve that we can come up with. Yeah. Somebody might not like it, but we have that every day in our business. Well, you know what they say, I never learned anything from anybody who agreed with me. So I think that's another important aspect of being involved with something like an ASA is, you know, you're part of a family. Families occasionally have disagreements and we all learn from those things. So that's definitely good advice. Well, Bob, again, I got to tell you, thank you so much for your time. It's been great talking with you. We wish you all the best. And we'll look forward to uh, not exactly retirement. Let's just say you're going to be doing something different on the other end of the phone. I will do something and probably be related to automotive. We have been talking with Bob Wills, the retiring chairman of the Automotive Service Association, shop owner in Battle Creek, Michigan, and someone who has made a difference in the industry, Bob Thank you for your service uh, in the military. Thank you for your service to ASA. We will look forward to talking with you down the road. I'm sure that you will not be far away. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, ASA. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you're brand new to the ASA podcast or if you've been here before, I encourage you to subscribe so you won't miss some of the great things we have coming up in our future episodes. Just hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening and you'll be good to go. If you enjoy our podcast and find our content valuable, make sure to leave a rating and review wherever you are listening to this. And if you're an automotive service facility shop owner listening to this podcast and you'd like to know more about ASA, I invite you to visit our website at asashop.org. I'm Tony Mala, and thanks for listening.